Hi, everybody. It's Stefan Molyneux from Free Domain Radio. I hope that you're doing well. Thank you so much for joining me for another video slash audio session. I read a book recently that I found just fascinating, and I highly, highly recommend it. Uh, it's called Why Men Don't Iron by Anne and Bill Moir, who uh, jointly run a television company specializing in international science documentaries. Um, I'm married, so naturally this book uh, caught my eye for very obvious reasons. And the idea behind the book, or the approach that the book takes to gender differences, is to point out the biological differences uh, between the genders, and also goes into a very, very fascinating discussion of uh, homosexuality. And there is a sort of idea out there around uh, homosexuality that it uh, is, uh, is much more prevalent than is generally believed, and there's lots of psychological theories that Freud had his, Jung had his, and other people have their own, psychological theories about why it is that men and women become, or uh, are born, or actually the th psychological theories is that they become homosexual. Uh, Kinsey, uh, who, who did the famous sex study in the 1940s and 1950s, uh, he claimed that 37% of all males had experienced, or were experiencing perhaps during the survey, homosexual relationships, and a further 13% had homosexual urges even though they did nothing to satisfy those desires. Here was startling proof that fully 50% of males were actively or potentially uh, gay, and Kinsey did not conclude that the other 50% were free of homosexual urges. He postulated a scale of male sexuality which ranged from wholly heterosexual to exclusively gay and concluded, quote, males do not represent two distinct populations, heterosexual and homosexual. The world is not to be divided into sheep and goats. Not all things are black, nor all things white. It is a fundamental of taxonomy that nature rarely deals with discrete categories. Only, only the human mind invents categories and tries to force facts into separate pigeonholes. The living world is a continuum of each and every one of its aspects. The sooner we shall learn this regarding human sexual behavior, the sooner we shall reach a sound understanding of the uh, realities uh, of sex. Now, the self-selected sample that was involved in Kinsey's uh, interviews was kind of a problem. Uh, his concerns about his own homosexuality, although married, he was probably homosexual, biased his choice of subjects. No modern academic would recognize Kinsey's survey as reliable, but its influence still persists, mainly because his results reinforce the fashionable bisexual theory that sexuality is a bell curve or a continuum. So Kinsey keeps his place in the pantheon despite the facts that survey after survey have demonstrated how utterly wrong his results were. Uh, later research demonstrates again and again just how rare homosexuality uh, actually is. And, and so, for instance, an NOP poll in America suggested that homosexuals were 3.3% of the male population in a 1988 survey by America's National Opinion Research Center yielded a figure of 2.4%. The total number of men who'd ever experienced male-to-male -male sexual conduct was 7.3%, according to another study. Uh, a study in Hawaii, only 3% of males would, uh, had ever engaged in same-sex activity, and, uh, and so on. The most comprehensive study to date surveyed 34,000 high school students in America and reported that by the age of 18, 99.2% of males were exclusively heterosexual, just 2.8% of the 18-year-olds had experienced homosexual acts, but less than 1% were exclusively uh, gay. This low figure is reinforced by the findings 
of the National Survey of Men, considered to be the most representative study of American males, which suggested that only 1.1% of all males were exclusively homosexual, and only 2.3%, which includes the previous 1.1%, had ever experienced homosexuality. So this is survey after survey, generally seems to take the approach, or the fact, that uh, homosexual, exclusively homosexual men are in about 1.4%. And that's, uh, that's very interesting. And I think that what I'm going to argue for here is tolerance for homosexuality. And why I'm going to do that and why it's important to look at these numbers to begin with, I'll sort of get on as, uh, as we move along. And there is, of course, based on Old Testament and some New Testament writings and basically in a lot of primitive religions, well, a lot of religions which are by definition primitive, in their thinking processes, there is quite a lot of uh, homophobia. In fact, it's more than homophobia. That's fear of homosexuals. It's homocidia, or <laughs> it's the desire to attack and kill homosexuals uh, in these Old Testament uh, and in these religious kinds of writings. So I'd like to argue that homosexuality is much more rare than we think that it is, and the reason for its rarity is because it's not primarily a psychological phenomenon. There are psychological phenomena associated with being gay, but those phenomenon generally come around because of society's hostility towards homosexuals, which is just horrible. I mean, it's the same thing that happened when people were left-handed at one point, and they were sort of forced to become... Uh, uh, right-handed, and, and there was just... And, of course, we know that left-handedness is not a choice. It's just biological. Uh, it's, it's the way that your brain is, is sort of wired. So the homosexual lobby has done quite a bit to try and widen the scope of homosexuality to include um, a much wider section of the population. And by that, I think what they hope to do is they hope to create this image, this idea, or this aura that people who are uh, gay bashers or, or homophobic are themselves probably secretly gay, and I don't think that that's a really good... Hoping that the, the sniper gun is going to go off in the sniper's hands, uh, I don't think is the right approach. I think that we, we need to work from the biology upwards to understand a little bit more about homosexuality so that we can view it not as a choice and not as something that is for, far more uh, wide, uh, sorry, far more widely, widely disseminated in society, so that we can just look at it as a biological phenomenon, like being left-handed and so on. And we don't need to, um, I think, take the approach that those who are secretly, uh, those who attack uh, left-handed people are secretly left-handed themselves, and so on. So let's have a look at some of the basic biology that occurs when uh, people are uh, in the womb, when you're a fetus. So... Uh, hormones determine our gender. Uh, every fetus, uh, every human life starts off as a female and uh, there is a, a hormonal activity that occurs in the womb that determines one's gender. Uh, as, uh, uh, so let me just uh, sort of... Hormones, among other things, are the switches that activate genes during the development of the fetus. And in turn, those genes instruct the growing fetus whether to be male or female. And so let's have a look at that, what occurs in the womb, so that we can understand a little bit more about this kind of stuff. So uh, hormones determine our gender. That's pretty uncontroversial. The same hormones determine our brain structure into either a male or female pattern. Now, that's very, very controversial, the idea that the hormones that change our physiology, that create what is, uh, uh, I think, technically known as the naughty bits, also have a strong effect on the way that our minds work, uh, is something that 
we should be fairly clear about and I think understand quite clearly. Uh, hardline feminists don't really like the idea that the brain is hardwired because they think that different means unequal, but that, of course, doesn't mean the same uh, thing at all. So uh, the basic human fem uh, template in the womb is female. Every fetus begins as female. At about six weeks, boys begin to be... <laughs> the girls turn into boys due to a flood of hormones that, as these uh, authors put it, drench the developing baby and so convert sugar and spice into slugs and snails, as slugs and snails into a, in a sort of massive transubstantiation miracle. The male female, sorry, the male fetus is capable of making high levels of androgens or male uh, hormones such as testosterone. The male starts making the hormone at six weeks, and it's not a one-shot action. It goes on for months in the womb. Each successive dose of hormones, it's doing its bit to turn what is originally female into a male. Now, in the third month of pregnancy, a heavy dose of testosterone affects the developing boy's brain. Among other effects, this dose of testosterone sets his sexual orientation. Until now, quote, his brain has been effectively female, and like any female, his sexual longings, if he had any, would be focused on males. This testosterone drench reverses his polarity, and from now on, he will be attracted to girls. But if the testosterone dose falls below a critical high level, the brain remains female. All fetuses receive some testosterone, even those destined to be born girls, but samples taken from the amniotic fluid suggest that the brain-sexing drench of testosterone is eight to nine times higher for boys than it is for girls. Now, that's, that's worth taking just a moment to ponder about, because the kind of prejudice that we have inherited from our religious ideologies, our sort of cult ideologies, uh, around hostility towards homosexuality has a lot to do with, obviously, in the first century A.D. or the second century A.D., when a lot of the New Testament was written, and even earlier when the Old Testament was written, people had no clue about the biology of what went on in the womb. I mean, these people were so primitive, they were almost waiting for storks. So they just really couldn't understand what had happened in the womb, and the fact that the fetus develops, uh, oh, sorry, the fetus originally starts as a, a female, and then a, a, um, a, a sort of six to eight week, week period a dose of heavy hormones changes the physiology of the body from female to male, but it's only at about three months that the uh, mind, the, the, the hormone drench affects the mind. So it's very, very possible, uh, in fact, it's provable, that you end up with a male body with a female mind. And this is an uh, over-exaggeration uh, and an oversimplification of what happens in terms of homosexuality. But uh, I think it's just important for us to understand that this could have been any of us, that it's really beyond willpower, and psychological theories um, are not particularly helpful, uh, at least until, uh, an, uh, unless the physiological basis of homosexuality is understood to begin with. So it doesn't take a huge amount of imagination to hypothesize that a shortfall in testosterone at the crucial moment in pregnancy might leave an otherwise conventional male with a female sexual orientation. The result would be an adult man who is quite naturally attracted to other males. It is possible that a gay gene influences the crucial testosterone levels, but whether that is the case or not, the evidence for this hormonal um, cause of homosexuality is, is very, very strong. And it's not absolutely proven as yet, of course. You can't experiment on, on children in the womb. But, uh, for instance, a study by Lee Ellis has shown that mothers who suffer from severe stress, and stress reduces the amounts of testosterone, particularly in women, during the third month of pregnancy, produce a higher-than-average incidence of homosexual offspring. Uh, you can't uh, prove this if you can't experiment on human fetuses, but 
Animal studies support this biological explanation. Humans and rats share specific sex hormones and have similar areas at the base of their brains that control sexual behavior, the hypothalamus. Roger Gorski and his team have demonstrated that a rat's sexual orientation, sexual orientation, can be changed at will through the manipulation of fetal hormones. A rat's sexual orientation can be changed at will through the manipulation of fetal hormones. A male rat deprived of testosterone in its early fetal stage becomes female in its sexual behavior. No amount of male hormones given in later pregnancy can reverse this behavior. The, the die is cast, so to speak. The animal's brain has been permanently organized into a, a female pattern. Now, if, uh, this should be reversible, right, gender by gender. A female rat dosed in the same critical period with male hormones becomes masculine in its sexual behavior. And again, no amount of later female hormone, hormonal influences will reverse this orientation. Gorski's work suggests that there is a critical stage during the development of the mammalian brain where male or female sexuality is established. Once the critical moment is passed, no amount of sort of, quote, corrective hormonal uh, interaction will make any difference whatsoever. The sexual orientation of rats, and most probably that of human beings, is determined in the womb. Now, the researchers went on to investigate whether there were any structural differences between the brains of male and female rats and discovered an area of the hypothalamus that was seven times larger in the male brain than the female brain. Uh, it's very, very important, if you're interested in ideas and in philosophy, to understand the biological, in my view, to understand the biological basis of personality so that we don't confuse what is innate and biological with what is uh, choosable and, and moral. So one researcher wrote that the difference between this uh, uh, hypothalamus area between males and females is so big, even in uh, a rat's brain, that you can see it with the naked eye. And this, of course, is just the area of the brain that controls sexual behavior. Another quote, experimental damage to this area produces a marked and significant reduction in masculine sexual behavior. So uh, Simon LeVay, uh, who's another researcher, announced that the sexually dimorphic nucleus of the preoptic area within the brain was twice as large in heterosexual men as in homosexual men, which meant simply that gay men presented or possessed a female brain structure. And this was a quite a lot of, uh, uh, excited quite a lot of controversy throughout the world. And the gay lobby, which prefers for some reason to advocate that homosexuality is a social construct and anti-heterosexuality and homosexuality are merely a matter of choice or preference, which I don't think is the right approach, but hey, what do I know? So that is, um, uh, that they uh, oppose these sorts of findings that found that there are specific areas within the brain that are different in homosexual men and much closer to the female pattern. Uh, he said that uh, the gay lobby then announced that LeVay's finding had to be wrong because the brains he had dissected all came from gay men who died of AIDS, and AIDS can cause changes in the brain structure. That criticism lost its force after LeVay investigated the brains of homosexuals who had not died of AIDS and once again discovered that they presented a typical female pattern. Uh, these are no longer controversial uh, findings. So, um, uh, there's lots and lots of studies which I won't get into here, which I really recommend reading this book. It is it's very, uh, it's very instructive and very important, I think, to understand this kind of stuff. Um, so the power of fetal hormones to determine sexual behavior and orientation is, is very, very important. Um, there is... Um, uh, it's, it's true, of course, if we're looking at sort of male homosexuality, that we should, should see a, a reverse uh, manifestation. So the less testosterone 
a fetus receives, the more female the behavior should be during this critical sort of three-month window. And such a correlation does exist. 70% of male homosexuals displayed a preference for girl-type behavior as children. The first signs usually show when a girl, uh, sorry, when the boy is a toddler. He will sometimes assert that he is a girl, perhaps favor cross-dressing, and he will frequently prefer the company of girls as playmates to that of boys because he is, you know, this old sort of cliche that uh, he is a woman trapped in a man's body uh, is entirely, uh, is entirely accurate. And this, of course, parents frequently try to stop this kind of behavior and sometimes take the children to psych- for psychiatric treatment, which is like assuming that people who are left-handed are, uh, are, uh, are, are deviant or, or, or bad or wrong. Uh, the differences in childhood history between homosexual and heterosexual groups are striking. But, of course, it's exactly what you would expect if the cause is biological and not, and not societal. So, uh, there have been studies of hand-eye coordination that measure how well the subjects can throw a missile and hit a target. You know, this old thing, you know, he, he throws like a girl. Uh, that is something uh, girls are not supposed to be able to throw quite as well as, as men. These studies discovered that the homosexual's ability to throw accurately was much poorer than the ability of heterosexual men. In fact, homosexual target throwing was pretty much like a woman's, which is what you'd expect if it's a female pattern brain within a male body. There uh, there is a sex difference in the structure of the inner ear that is under the control of, uh, of a fetal testosterone. And lesbians have the male type of inner ear structure. So when you get hit with this flood of testosterone around three-month level, it changes the inner ear structure for men as opposed to women, which means that men have different kinds of hearing uh, to a small degree relative to women. Uh, lesbians have the physiological characteristics of the male inner ear. So again, this is uh, just to, to, to open people's minds and to help people to understand that we're just dealing with biological differences here. So the normal incidence of male homosexuality it's about 1% to 4%, depending on uh, particular uh, studies. It's not the 10% or more, the 1 in 10 that's often quoted. The heterosexual is no more part gay than the gay is part heterosexual. So, if we, if we understand that there's not quite a closed book, but overwhelming, overwhelmingly compelling evidence that homosexuality is merely... Uh, the dosing of the brain at about three months gestation with uh, lower than required levels of testosterone to turn the female brain into a male brain. Uh, This occurs after the levels of testosterone that occur at six to eight weeks that turns the female body into a male body that we're simply looking at a physical characteristic like um, hair color, uh, eye color, height, uh, and so on, uh, intelligence, it's just another physical aspect of the great biological chemical vat that occurs when we're all very young that has a lot to do with how we end up as human beings. The reason that I wanted to talk about this, uh, I've, uh, <laughs> I was in theater school for a couple of years when I was younger. I've had uh, gay roommates, and uh, because they're just wonderful, so tidy, and so civilized. And I wanted to talk about this because there is, of course, quite a lot of uh, anti-homosexual feelings in the world, and this is, I think, a little bit more true in the religious countries, such as uh, America and the Middle East and, and so on, than it is in uh, less religious countries, because, of course, there's a specific abhorrence and a desire to murder homosexuals within the Old Testament, which, of course, is the root of um, Christianity, Judaism, and, uh, and Islam, the three great uh, superstitious cults of 
that have amazingly lasted to the modern era, but hopefully for not much longer. So let's have a look at some of these studies around how people feel around homosexuality and then compare that to this growing understanding that it is merely a biological phenomenon. One study correlates the masculinity profiles of male college students with their attitude towards homosexuals, sexual, so, homosexuals, homosexuals, and discovered, unsurprisingly, that the most masculine students were the most anti-gay. This might suggest that those who argue that the macho men fear their feminine side, um, uh, sorry, this might suggest that those who argue that macho men fear their feminine side are right, but the survey did not uncover that fear. Instead, the homophobic subjects complained of gay harassment. Gays were getting too close or brushing against my body. Another complained that he was being checked out. Ooh. Such homosexual behavior made 42% of heterosexuals move away, although it's actually quite common in, um, uh, in the gay culture to understand that when you're coming out, if you say that you've never been attracted to your male straight friends, um, they get affected. <laughs> it's kind of funny. A common heterosexual aversion to overt homosexuality is captured in these studies, but never commented on. Instead, the common sense explanation, quote, a common sense explanation is advanced, that the most masculine heterosexuals are really gays in flight denial. Another study reports that 47% of men have a purely negative reaction to gays. I don't like them. I want nothing to do with them. I hope AIDS wipes them out. At least 47% is a minority. But the same study discovered that a further 45% of men were mildly anti-gay. Their attitude was summed up as, eh, gays don't generally bother me as long as they don't try and press their beliefs upon me. Right, like gays never experienced that with straight culture. So if this study is right, then an astonishing 92% of heterosexual males will experience anti-gay feelings if homosexuality is overtly pressed on them. Yet uh, you can neck with a woman in public, and that's not considered to be pressing heterosexuality on gays. Again, this hardly suggests an individual aberration, but it begins to look more and more like a common feeling. And once again, fear does not come into it. These heterosexual males show no fear of homosexuals, but merely feel distaste or revulsion at a homosexual approach. And it's not men alone who experience this aversion. Alan Wolf, a professor at Boston University, interviewed 200 suburban Americans for a book about the state of American society and discovered that his slice of middle America was happily unprejudiced, open-minded, and tolerant. Yet, he reported, there is one exception to America's persistent and ubiquitous non-judgmentalism. However much they are willing to accept almost anything, most middle-class Americans I spoke to were not prepared to accept homosexuality. Wolf's interviewees used word like, words like abnormal, uh, immoral, sinful, sinful is quite obviously uh, biblical references, unacceptable, uh, sick, or unhealthy, to describe the gay lifestyle, and other American studies show a similar widespread aversion. One such study reported that no less than 66% of American males, uh, American adults, male or female, condect, uh, condemned homosexual behavior as morally wrong or as a sin. A similar res uh, result was yielded by another American study, which reported that 60% of adults, male and female, thought that homosexuality in and of itself was no great problem, but it was still, quote, obscene. Vulgar. The same survey suggested that these negative attitudes to homosexuality were associated with, quote, sexual conservatism, anti-feminist attitudes, and a strong belief in male sex-appropriate behavior. For the gay or feminist lobbies, this is a litany of horrors, but try putting it another way. So-called homophobia 
is associated with men and women who lead uh, decent lives, respect sexual infidelity, and consider the male-female relationship to be natural. These same socially conservative people support the right of homosexuals to attend church, 80%, and their right to consexual sex in private, ooh, 70%. This uh, is um, uh, uh, terrible. Uh, this is absolutely terrible. This is heinous, heinous behavior towards uh, fellow human beings. And it is specifically rooted in religious prejudice, uh, superstition. Uh, religion, of course, is just extended superstition, uh, or rather superstition that is inflicted more upon children than upon adults. There, is two, there are two prejudices that still exist within the religious communities that are still very, very strong. Uh, well, three, I guess. The first is against people of other religions, uh, and specifically contact from those people from other religions with their own children, which, of course, would simply say that uh, you worship one god, somebody else worships another god, and it's nonsense to say that one is better than the other. The second is towards atheists. Uh, atheists face an enormous amount of prejudice in society, uh, as do uh, those who are uh, against the military or against the state as a whole, who are anarcho-capitalists and so on. Uh, there is a statistic that says that uh, only 35% of people would support an open atheist for the, president of the presidency of the United States, while many, many more in the 90s would support uh, a woman, uh, a black, uh, or um, I can't remember what the other one, a Jew probably. So the hostility that is out there towards atheists and homosexuals is not uh, particularly... Um, subtle. If you are either an atheist like myself or gay, you experience this quite a bit. It does arise out of a fundamental ignorance, but it also, of course, arises out of religion in that where there is deviance, I mean, you notice this sort of in the Christian right, there's this cookie-cutter approach to how it is you're supposed to look, right? Overblown, slightly pudgy, and <laughs> very strange uh, to those who aren't in your particular cult. There is a kind of mold or a stamp that goes into the religious ideologies or these kinds of superstition because, of course, Human beings are supposed to be created in God's image. And where there are exceptions, and biological exceptions, to the overwhelming majority of humanity, there is always, always a sort of tinct or, or an association of sin with that kind of deviance. So, obviously, if God created man, and the vast majority of men are heterosexual, then to be homosexual is to be sinful, because you're deviating from the template that God breathed into Adam in uh, this... Uh, hokey puff of life that was supposed to have originated all of these things. So this is just another kind of punishment that is uh, exacted or inflicted upon people who have had a very, very difficult life. Let's not guess or imagine that it's anything other than extraordinarily difficult to be a homosexual in any culture, but particularly, of course, in religious cultures where you fear for your life. Uh, more so, of course, in the Arabic or Muslim cultures than in America, but still, uh, there's quite a bit of fear. And these, uh, these um, men who have simply, in, through biology that could have happened to any of us, so even any, we have no control over this kind of stuff, any of, any of us could have uh, had this uh, happen to us, and yet we view, or many of us view, uh, homosexuals as uh, weird or deviant and so on, without understanding that it is our hostility that creates a lot of the difficulties and a lot of the personality uh, uh, oddities that we find among um, homosexual men. One of them, oh, well, they tend to congregate, and that's unnerving, right? Well, of course they tend to congregate, because if they're going to get beaten up, I mean, how do homosexual men know other, uh, whether you're homosexual or not? They have to be certain overt characteristics 
that are going to make them feel more comfortable to approach you uh, if you if they think if they're attracted to you and they think that you might be gay, or if they're attracted to you at all, uh, how is it how is it that they're supposed to uh, approach you? Uh, because they're very much afraid of getting beaten up or getting thrown out of the house or uh, getting uh, verbally attacked or or worse. This is a grave, grave danger, and this is something which it would really behoove us as sensitive and moral human beings to have some sympathy towards. Just picture it. I mean, if you're not gay yourself, picture it that every time you were attracted to a woman, uh, if you approached her in any kind of flirtatious manner or uh, indicated any kind of romantic interest in that woman, that you face the risk of getting beaten up, that you face the risk of being attacked. Lord knows it was scary enough to approach women anyway if you're a single man. Imagine if the stakes were not so much that she just might say no, but the stakes were so high that you might get beaten up uh, instead or might face verbal outpourings of scorn, have your reputation ruined. That is an extraordinarily stressful way to live. It's a very stressful way to live. Uh, the, the normal tension of approaching somebody in a romantic way, uh, the normal fear of rejection that occurs for all of us, is extraordinarily heightened by the fear of uh, being, being physically or verbally attacked uh, in response to your uh, romantic overtures. So naturally, uh, not only is there the brain uh, difference that is uh, quite observable and measurable between uh, male and uh, uh, male homosexuals and heterosexuals, but there are going to be certain patterns of behavior. Uh, perhaps it's the voice, perhaps it's the walk, perhaps it's the attitude, perhaps it's the attention to detail or to dress that marks you as a homosexual because that means that another homosexual can uh, indicate a romantic or sexual interest in you without as much fear of getting beaten up. So not only are these brain chemistry differences uh, very, very essential, but the signals that have to be put out by homosexuals so that they don't end up um, trying to date a heterosexual and get beaten up or attacked, uh, those signals uh, also re result in particular kinds of approaches. So it's very interesting, of course, that... Uh, um, it's like, it's like if you're some huge burly racist and you say, well, gee, you know, every time I stalk up and glare at a black man, they all seem so cowardly, they all seem so nervous. Well, it's like, well, <laughs> but you're the key ingredient in all of those interactions. So the fear and hostility towards homosexuality, which simply arises out of a lack of understanding of the biological roots, results in an extraordinary level of hostility towards uh, homosexuals, which of course is going to have an effect on how they behave within society. Anybody who faces that kind of prejudice and hostility, which arises out of a lack of understanding, is going to have effects upon their personality. And of course, I know this as a libertarian, as an anarchist, as an atheist, as a rationalist, as a philosopher. I'm very aware of the hostility that the truth evokes and deviance, which is not understood and which is considered to be a personal failing, uh, such as homosexuality is a sin, is a choice, whatever, right? It's deviant, it's unhealthy. I mean, it's all nonsense. And it's all horrible prejudice and I think it's high time that we had some sympathy for our bent brothers and sisters and had some understanding of the fact that they are simply victims of biology. And, and even to say victims is not exactly right, because although it is a very difficult thing to be homosexual, um, there is uh, uh, the only victimhood that really exists is the victimhood that is imposed upon society through ignorance and a lack of understanding as to uh, what it is that makes up a homosexual which is not uh, a clinging mother, uh, which is not uh, some sort of loose moral, uh, which is not a desire for instant sex at any time, 
or any of those sorts of things. It's just biology. This is like calling uh, dwarfs evil. Uh, this is like uh, calling anybody who's a deviant from the standard template evil. These things were fine uh, to be written down in a horrible kind of ignorant way in religious and superstitious texts that were written 20 centuries ago, but for us in the 21st century to continue to have these kinds of bigotries and hostilities towards people that we should have a great deal of empathy and sympathy for uh, is absolutely criminal. So I hope that this has helped uh, open your mind a little bit, uh, if it wasn't already open, about uh, homosexuality, but it is something that uh, we need to have, I think, some sympathy for, and hopefully we can grow as a society to the point where we no longer need to have sympathy for homosexuals because we don't attack them anymore. Thank you so much for listening.